As the demand for telemedicine grows, so does the need for connectivity. 5G meets that need. Qualcomm remains focused on giving doctors and patients superior, security-rich 5G connectivity. Learn more at qualcomm.com slash inventionage. This is the Rich Dad Radio Show. The good news and bad news about money. Here's Robert Kiyosaki. Hello, hello, hello. This is Robert Kiyosaki, the Rich Dad Radio Show, the good news and bad news about money. Having one of my best friends on the program. He and I were both pilots in the U.S. Marine Corps during Vietnam. We're both lieutenants, and um, Jack came out to be a three-star lieutenant general, and I got kicked out as a lieutenant. I had some disciplinary problems. But I'm very proud of my roommate and my friend, Jack Berkman. He is now a congressman in the most powerful place on earth, the U.S. Capitol. And since this is Jack's you know, first time inside the halls of power, and what the Rich Dad Radio Show does its best to do is bring you people who see the world from the inside, not the outside. And so Jack is gonna be talking about what does it look like in the halls of the most powerful place on earth, the US Congress. What does the world look like as a new congressman looking out upon the world and what's really going on? And uh, one of the reasons Jack made three-star general and I didn't was because he's extremely politically correct most of the time, but I'm not. So anyway, he has to be very careful because now he's even deeper into enemy country. So with that, welcome to the program, Jack, and congratulations for being a congressman now. Hey, thanks, Robert. Always, always great to talk to you, whether it be you know, on the radio or whether it be when we get a rare chance these days to spend time together in person. But uh, you know, glad to be with you today. And uh, and eager to uh, to give you a perspective of, uh, you know, two months ago, I was just finishing my first term as a freshman congressman. So I've gone from a freshman freshman newbie to now a sage sophomore uh, in my second term. And uh, being the first term in the majority, uh, now the second term in the minority, uh, the perspective will be, you know, balancing out here so I can see all sides of the equation. What do you think people should know that they don't see? Because everybody's looking out from the outside in. You know, when, the, when they had the State of the Union a few weeks ago, I was looking for you, but I didn't see you. But, you know, because you, you didn't have a white jacket on. Anyway, uh, what, well, what should people know from your perspective they may not know? What does the world look like from the inside of Congress looking out? And, you know, and, and that's, that's a great question. It's a fair question. And most, most importantly, it is so relevant now based on the era in which we live of instantaneous communications. And the point is, what I want the American people to know, and I say this every day, whether it be in an interview or whether I'm in a, you know, a back in the district talking to constituents, every day there are Democrats and Republicans starting the day together, whether it be work out at the gym, um, have a cup of coffee, breakfast, caucus meetings, and going through the day and ending the day with uh, an after-hours meeting that may or may, may, may or may not have an adult beverage attached to it. But there are Democrats and Republicans working together in a bipartisan way every day. The media has chosen not to portray that. That's so I'm I'm here to report to you, no matter what a person's political ideology or even if they have none at all, you've got 435 people 
basically in the House of Representatives who come from 435 different districts, backgrounds, perspectives, experience levels, for the most part, to the 80% level, those folks are trying to do good things. The question is, from what perspective and experience do they come from? And I think the media is shortchanging the American people and the message they're portraying. So how does the media do that? Well, they focus what I would call on the, uh, you know, the bird and the shiny nickel, where the bird hops from bright object to bright object. The media through now, again, the level of communications, whether it's the visual, whether it's the, you know, whether it's the use of social media, they get people focused on things that really are not important, but yet they might seem, seem important. Let me give you a real world example. I knew about a decade ago when the Weather Channel became a soap opera and started naming snowstorms that, <laughs> that we really have a problem with the media putting out what's news. You know, are you reporting news or making news? Because I know when I see Jim Cantore in a, in a spot getting rained on or snowed on it, the, the world must be going to hell uh, weather-wise for them. But you know what? It is what it is. As, as Jimmy Buffett said in one of his songs, the weather is here, wish you were beautiful. Uh, so the point is, we've, we've kind of made much ado about nothing, as Shakespeare would have said. So we had, uh, his name was McNamee, he wrote the book Zucked, and he talked about how misinformation, and he, he used to be friends with, uh, what's his name, Zuckerberg, and they don't exchange Christmas mm -hmm. cards anymore. But he says because they went to the dark side because misinformation makes more money than real information. And so they just keep every. he says they now close loop it. You know, they feed you the things that get you so stimulated, they just keep re feeding it back to you. Is that your sense of what's going on? Well, I would suggest to you that is absolutely correct. And you think about back from our, our Marine Corps days together, any, any battle plan has an element of, of deception in it to throw the enemy off so they're not ready for what your, your primary you know, battle plan is. So take that from the military operational planning to now the, if you will, the business planning utilizing the media. If you can focus people on things that are not really important, but you can maintain, maintain their focus and attention, then you can do what you want to do outside, and there's no, no perception that uh, there's anything nefarious going on. So, yeah, I, so, accept, I accept the fact that there are forces who don't like our country to be the, the republic that it is, that is, you know, just un, never before seen in this world, unprecedented individual freedoms. And with that, as always, there is a price. So what is your... Uh... You know, this issue on the wall, the way, you know, I'm an outsider looking in Trump's wall. What's your take on all this in turbulence? Well, there's, there's, a couple, there's, there's a couple of things. There's the number one, there's the need for border security. How, and you know, as a Marine, when Marines are given the mission to secure a perimeter, we're going to secure the perimeter. Right. Um, and our borders are perimeters. As much as we would like to think everyone who comes across our border whether it be illegally or legally, we, we have to know who is in our country, why they're here. We are a country of immigrants. I mean, my God, if you don't have policies and procedures and laws that allow good people to immigrate here and to become citizens or to come here, stay a while, and then go back to their home country, 
the world in which we live, aided largely by the Internet, which is the tool that we use for good, our enemies use it for evil, we don't have an option to, I mean, now let's face it, the president's number one obligation is to keep our citizens safe and secure. It says right in the preamble to the Constitution. So to utilize the safety and security of our citizens as a political um, wedge, which is what the Democrats are doing, is shameful. It's worse than shameful. I'm not going to get into the morality and immorality, which was one of the funniest comments I've heard, is that a, a wall is immoral. I mean, that's, that's just a, a detachment from reality. Um, we need to ensure that our citizens are safe and secure and that good people can come here and stay whatever the, whatever the level of their visa says. So, so let me ask you this. Is it true is it true that the Democrats at one time were in favor of funding the wall, now they're not, and is the real reason that they're creating all of this kerfuffle is to make sure Trump doesn't get reelected? I mean, we're not, I'm not political in this whole thing, but is that their main intention, is just personal to keep, is, is political, not, you know, not for I, the I people? I can give you the shortest possible answer to that, yes. Wow. Yes. It's all self-interest then. It is. It is, because back when you, you can, there's a clip out there of President Clinton's 1995 State of the Union speech where he talks a minute and 25 second clip where he talks about border security and the need to basically secure the borders, build fences, build walls, whatever terminology you used. And everybody was standing up, applauding, cheering. Um, even as, as recently as I believe it was 2006, there was uh, a border fencing law a proposal out there that the Democrats voted to support, and now all of a sudden they're against all of that. It's purely political. Not professional, just political. No, it's not. There is nothing. There is nothing. I mean, we would be embarrassed as people in uniform if we did something like that or even espouse that with a political motive rather than the, the mission objective of doing the right thing, uh, you know, under our constitutional authorities. Because you and I both swore an oath to support and defend the Constitution against Correct. all enemies, foreign and domestic. What is this Mueller prosecutor? Look, what's he, what's he doing? Is it, is he, is it dangerous, bad? You know, you know uh, of all the issues that I'm focused on here, um, I'm not on, you know, what we call a committee of jurisdiction, which would be uh, oversight or judiciary or whatever. That's I'm very focused on uh, the committees I'm on now, which is uh, Veterans Affairs and House Armed Services. And uh, so the point is, I um, I watch the, the Mueller investigation from a from a distance and just continue to get updates. But uh, um, I I would probably be any comment I would make would not be one of, of currency, and I, and I hesitate to make comment if I'm not, not current in, a, in the details of the situation. So I know this is a political question to ask you, but when Trump announced he's going to pull out of Syria, what was your personal thought on that? Well, I, I, you know, the, the challenge, the challenge that, that, that we have in our country is, is educating our leaders at any level, whether it be the federal level, the state level, of the nuances uh, with alliances that we have, uh, especially those outside our borders, 
And I, I think as you, uh, I, I know that the president's intent is for the betterment of the American people. Uh, I am, uh, the reality of where the real bad actors are in this world, when you look at the borders of Syria, Turkey, uh, Lebanon, Jordan, Iran, Iraq, um, that's very complex. I've got I've got decades right. of involvement in the study there, so uh, we're going to need to be involved in all of those countries at some level, be- because of the nature of warfare in the world in which we live transcends borders because of the internet, because of um, of uh, let's say capabilities, whether it be ballistic uh, missiles, whether it be networks infiltrating across borders. Um, we, whether we like it or not, we will maintain some type of influence in those areas because we don't want the, the cancers that are there, and they are cancers, uh, to spread to inside our borders. Right. You, you and I were both in Vietnam together, and we knew we were not going to last in that war. But what Syria reminds me of is what happened right after Vietnam, after we left Vietnam. That's when the murder started. They started killing anybody who supported us. So when I heard they're going to support, get out of Syria and abandon Afghanistan to the Taliban, I'm going, there's going to be murder after murder after murder of people who who were once our friends who supported us. Anything politically you can say about that? Well, we we know, we know who, who have historically been our friends, and we have to make sure that we don't abandon our friends. Think about after uh, Operation Iraqi Freedom, there were interpreters who worked with our forces during during our uh, majority of the combat operations in Iraq that we needed to make sure that we helped either um, get out of the country and get here to the U.S. because they had, they had basically signed their death warrants right. by helping us as American forces there. So we could, those of us who served know what it means to protect an ally, protect a brother, protect a sister. Right. So thank you. Well, when we come back, we'll be speaking more to Jack. I'll get his view on the Democrat side from the Republican side from inside the halls of Congress. So when we come back, we'll be talking more about what Jack sees and thinks about some of our more powerful Democrats. Interesting, a lot of them are women. You're listening to The Rich Dad Radio Show with Robert Kiyosaki. What is your number one expense in life? Your number one expense, it's taxes. And I've asked the question is, how come there's no financial education in school, but why isn't there education on taxes either? You know, they tell you to save money, which is stupid. They tell you to invest in the stock market, which is stupid. But what they teach you about taxes? So here we have Rich Dad Advisor, Tom Wheelwright. We're talking about his revision for his book, Tax-Free Wealth. Welcome, Tom. Thanks, Robert. So what's the tax-free wealth about? What What's different this time? It's a rev- revised edition. Well, so what we did was, is we ha- this is the first major tax reform we've had in 30 years, 2017. Right. It was 86 was the last one. 86 was the last one oh. back when I was in Washington, D.C. So many guys got wiped out because of that tax change. <laughs> they did. They yeah. did. It wiped out an entire industry, savings and loans. This new tax law is just as big, but in a very different way. It affects different industries. You know, the tax law is always a series of incentives. And the question is always, which incentives and which ones apply to me. And so the, the key to revising tax-free wealth was, what is it, what changed so much in this new tax law that we can 
absolutely take advantage of, I mean, seriously, the amazing incentives. For example, I mean, the bonus depreciation, for example, for real estate is unbelievable. You buy a, a, a million dollar apartment, get a $300,000 reduction or more the very first year. So if you want to make more money and pay less taxes like Donald Trump and myself, get Tom's book, Tax-Free Wealth. Don't be like Charlie. Charlie is that do-it-yourselfer who does himself in. Do-it-yourself is good for tile and grout. It is not good for asset protection. Charlie thought he'd save a few dollars forming his LLC online. With no guidance, he did it wrong. When he sold the property, he lost thousands and thousands of dollars. He did himself in by trying to do it himself. Don't burn yourself. Use Corporate Direct to set up and maintain your LLCs and corporations. Corporate Direct is owned and operated by attorney and rich dad advisor, Garrett Sutton. Garrett wrote the bestsellers, Loopholes of Real Estate and Start Your Own Corporation. He is Robert Kiyosaki's attorney for asset protection. He and his team will do it right. Visit them at CorporateDirect.com or call 800-600-1760. Mention Rich Dad and receive $100 off your formation fee. That's CorporateDirect.com. CorporateDirect.com. Log on to RichDadRadio.com while you listen. Now back to Robert Kiyosaki. Welcome back, Robert Kiyosaki, the Rich Dad Radio Show, the good news and bad news about money. Our guest today is a dear friend. We're roommates on the carrier in Vietnam where we fought from the air and the land and the sea. And it's, it's Congressman Jack Bergman. Like I said, he and I were both lieutenants when we got on the carrier. And Jack rose to a three-star general, lieutenant general, and I left him lieutenant. I had... I had some disciplinary challenges, should we say. So, and Jack's always been a friend, no matter how much trouble I got into on that ship. And <laughs> it, was, it was always fun. But Jack said it best. He says, you know, Robert, the difference between you and me is you get caught and I don't. And I always remember that, Jack. And that's, <laughs> that's, that, was, that was Jack's biggest thing. I mean, he, he pulled as many nefarious acts as I did, but he never got caught and I always got caught. But anyway, now he's in Congress. He's deep inside the... Um, like I said, he was in the majority as a Republican, and now he's a minority. And we're asking Jack to give us an insider's view of what's really going on inside the halls of the most powerful place on earth, Washington, D.C. And once again, you can listen to the Rich Dad Radio Show anytime, anywhere, on iTunes or Android, and all of our programs are archived at richdadradio.com. We archive them because we're an educational company, and if you listen to this, com this broadcast one more time, you'll hear it twice as much, and you'll learn twice as much. But more importantly, you can have your friends, family, and business associates listen to this program, and you can discuss this program, because when you listen to it and discuss, you'll learn three times as much. So once again, Jack, I want to talk to you about, you know, you and I as uh, young Marines, we were fighting for capitalism and the American way and democracy. And it seems right now, it seems we're, we're singing, swinging towards socialism. You know, I hear about, UI, universal income for all, whether you want to work or not, free education, free healthcare, free food, free manicures, whatever you want. Uh, you know, I, I, everybody wants something to f for free, but I can't believe it's becoming a rallying cry politically right now. I mean, Bernie Sanders and things like this. So I'm gonna ask you about some of the players who are rallying but from my point of view, which are socialist, fascist, or communist, points of view, things you and I did not fight for necessarily. But we did fight for the right for them to have the freedom to express their points of view. 
So, Jack, let me ask you this. Nancy Pelosi could be the most powerful woman in the United States right now. And she's been in that position for a while. What, what does she have? What is the magic or the mojo that she has that gives her such power in, in the halls of Congress? Well, in a word, money. <laughs> I was afraid you are going to say that. What do you mean by well, that? Well, you know, well, what I mean by that, and, and, I, and I'll tell you, you know, and this is not a statement on Republicans or no, Democrats here. It's, it's a way of but life. There, have been, there, are pe- there are some people who've been here too long. And I would suggest to you, she reflects a time past, but she has been able to carry her influence into a time forward today, which I don't believe reflects the values of who we are as a society and who we are as a country and a world partner. And so what I've been told by some inside sources amongst my my, uh, shall we say, my, my Democrat friends inside the, uh, the Democratic conference is that um, money rules. Jeez. How does, how does her access to cash and money give her that power? Well, and it's probably in its simplest form is that if you're a member of Congress and, and, and a Democrat and you want a committee assignment of sorts, you have to okay it through her. I mean, I, I can think of a, a couple of folks, uh, and this is not, uh, you know, inside, this is common knowledge, but for example, I hold uh, uh, Congresswoman Kathleen Rice from New York in, in very high esteem. Uh, I served with her the first term on uh, on the Veterans Affairs Committee. I uh, also am in, in, a, in a couple of caucuses with her, a bipartisan working group. Again, Democrats and Republicans working together to actually cha- reform Congress in such a way as that we can actually get some things done and move forward, but but because uh, Ms. Rice was was uh, did not vote for um, Ms. Pelosi for her speaker, um, she was denied uh, committee assignment uh, to judiciary. And I, again, I, I'd like that, that Kathleen Rice is the absolute perfect person to serve on judiciary because she's a former district attorney uh, in New York. She has got the right mindset, the right capability, but because she didn't play ball, she didn't get a committee assignment. Wow. Thank you for that. And then what about these new people like Kamala Harris, Alex Ocasio-Cortez, Elizabeth Warren, and of course Bernie Sanders, who's been sounding the socialist agenda for a long time? What do well, you, what is you know, Alex what I would say, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break them into two groups, because you mentioned you know, Harris, Sanders, uh, you know, for example— they're on the Senate side. And one of the things that I've found out in my short term here in Congress, it's kind of like going to a family Thanksgiving dinner where you have the adults table and the kids table. <laughs> and this, the Senate thinks of themselves as the adults and they treat the House of Representatives as the kids. So when, when, you, when anytime you have a senator saying something, uh, it's going to be different than when you have someone in the House of Representatives that is going to say something because the House was designed by the founders to be a very raucous, um, give-and-take environment. The Senate is supposed to be kind of a, you know, advise and consent back, uh, you know, in, in reflection of the Roman times, uh, what the Senate was supposed to do. But you have people, and I don't care whether it's, whether it's Harris or Sanders, if you've never been in the private sector, 
and you understand what it's like to generate a profit so that you can pay your people a good wage so that you can continue your company in business over the long term. That's what capitalism is. But we have too many of our elected officials who've never been responsible for profit and loss, never been entrepreneurs, never been anything to do with understanding where a dollar really comes from. It comes from the generation of goods and services in a capitalistic system that allows everything else to happen. And we have too many of our colleagues that just, again, it's not necessarily a Democratic Republican thing. We have too many of our, our colleagues who really don't understand the private sector. So how serious, and from your opinion, is all of this call for a universal income, free education, free health care? It's only serious if the American people, who really, they can, they can smell the different types of manure if they really kind of put their nose to it. If, if the American people do not get involved in the process, if nothing, if for no other reason than to cast an informed vote, Remember, Jefferson, in his hope for the future of America, was that, of course, he envisioned a fairly, he was going to say, a largely agrarian society. I don't think they, uh, the founders envisioned the Industrial Revolution, and they probably, I know they didn't envision the, uh, the information age. But we have more information now and less knowledge as individuals because of the, just the, the amount of data that's being thrown at us. So I would suggest to you, if the American people, the voters, the citizens who vote, and you know what? If you're not a citizen, you shouldn't be voting. That's the rules. The point is, when the American people step up, we make good decisions. The more the American people sit on the sidelines, the poorer the decisions are made. And you know as well as I do, there's no such thing as a free lunch. And when you want to talk about socialism, just remember, when the USSR was the USSR, the second S was socialist. United Soviet Socialist Republic. Now, we know how that ended. It doesn't work. It just flat doesn't work. The challenges in our country is we need to have a more educated citizenry, and it starts with teaching history in the schools. I think that, I think that ship has sailed. You know. Well, I got eight grandkids, and we, we have to reclaim it. It has sailed, but that doesn't mean... It, it alleviates the responsibility on us to put some rudder into the ship to turn it back. Well, what, we, I think is, know, what I think is interesting is that, you know, during the Cold War, there's evidence that the Russians infiltrated our school systems. And that's where it started to be taught. And then now in Venezuela, there's evidence that Cuba sent teachers into Venezuela and we see what's happening in Venezuela today. Mm-hmm. And what, what are your comments, again, looking from inside the halls of Congress? I think from, from inside, it's in a continual education of, in this case, of my colleagues in the House. I chose, just, just because of what experiences I had in life before coming to Congress, my first um, step here to become a functioning member of Congress as soon as possible, was to build relationships with my colleagues, Democrat, Republican, doesn't make any difference to me, so that when there were issues that we needed to discuss as two human beings or a larger group, that, that I had built the relationship on the front end 
So I knew what what was important to my colleagues, where their level of understanding was in some issues. Let's face it, I'm the highest ranking combat veteran ever elected to the United States Congress. Wow, congratulations. Now, all, yeah, all that means is that when I got here two years ago, there were 434 sets of eyes wondering, oh, is this another old, retired, bloviating general who's going to come here and tell, say, well, now that I'm here, here's how we'll do things? Well, you know me well enough. That's not my style. I went to use my military experience, especially to educate and mentor others who are good people but had no clue how the military works. So that was the first step towards building uh, building relationships. I'm involved in, again, bipartisan reform of Congress. I'm involved in various various caucuses, different things. But this is, uh, this is a day-on, stay-on, 24-7, 365 job. And uh, that's, that's what it's supposed to be for those who are lucky enough to be elected to serve their constituents. And for those of you, like, you know, Jack and I have been friends since 1972. And I would say that's the primary reason he made general was that Jack communicated to everybody. He was a friend to everybody. He treated everybody with respect, kindness, and charm. And uh, obviously I didn't. <laughs> so, but if you could, that's one thing I'm only learning now, Jack, is the importance of us, you know, keeping the communication lines open instead of severing them, which you know I did a lot of. So for all of you listening to the Rich Dad Radio Show right now, I would say that's probably the most important skill if you're gonna be an entrepreneur or a human being or in business, is can you treat your fellow human being with respect? And I, I would say that's what Jack did. And he also did it with you know charm, finesse, and a smile on his face. But I think that was your number one skill, Jack. Any comments on that? Uh, I would suggest to you, thank you, you flatter me, but I will take it. Yep. Uh, but the idea, I was, uh, I was raised by de Depression-era parents, um, you know, who'd met uh, in the thir 1930s. My dad was in the South Pacific in World War II, and I, was, I, was, I knew growing up that the, um, the love that was given me was genuine, the discipline that was meted out to be my parents, by my parents, was done out of love and not out of hate. And to always treat others with dignity and respect. Um, so that's just how I was raised. And uh, it's amazing. It's amazing what you can accomplish if you just listen first before you start talking. And uh, now this is kind of, this is an attempt at humor, but uh, the point is I figured out a way to reduce the national debt, and that is I'm going to limit the members of Congress to so many words per day. Anything <laughs> over that, uh, there will be a fee per word. It will go directly from their campaign account right into the U.S. Treasury to be applied towards the debt. So we could solve two problems here. We could have less talk, and then we could re do some debt reduction. Well, that sounds like a great idea. Like I said, the one thing about the Rich Dad Radio Show, we want people from the inside rather than people like me from the outside giving their opinion. So, you know, once again, congratulations. Keep up the good work. Keep communicating. And uh, thanks for being part of the Rich Dad Show today. Hey, Robert, always a pleasure. Thank you for the opportunity. And I look forward to seeing you soon. Thank you, Jack. When we come back, we're going to ask Robert. You're listening to the Rich Dad Radio Show with Robert Kiyosaki. 
Don't be like Charlie. Charlie is that do-it-yourselfer who does himself in. Do-it-yourself is good for tile and grout. It is not good for asset protection. Charlie thought he'd save a few dollars forming his LLC online. With no guidance, he did it wrong. When he sold the property, he lost thousands and thousands of dollars. He did himself in by trying to do it himself. Don't burn yourself. Use Corporate Direct to set up and maintain your LLCs and corporations. Corporate Direct is owned and operated by attorney and rich dad advisor, Garrett Sutton. Garrett wrote the bestsellers, Loopholes of Real Estate and Start Your Own Corporation. He is Robert Kiyosaki's attorney for asset protection. He and his team will do it right. Visit them at CorporateDirect.com or call 800-600-1760. Mention Rich Dad and receive $100 off your formation fee. That's CorporateDirect.com. CorporateDirect.com. It pays to listen. Now back to Robert Kiyosaki and the Rich Dad Radio Show. Welcome back, Robert Kiyosaki, the Rich Dad Radio Show, the good news and bad news about money. Special guest today was my roommate from the aircraft carrier out in Vietnam, Jack Bergman. He became a three-star general. He retired from the Marine Corps, and today he is Congressman Bergman. His website is bergman.house.gov. And I'm very proud mm -hmm. of my roommate and friend, and we've been friends for years and years and years. You know, we're, we're supposed to be officers and gentlemen. You can tell Jack was an officer and a gentleman. I was an officer, but not a gentleman. And that's why I got into so much trouble. And yet, that's life, and I'm very um, happy I took my own path on this whole thing. So once again, you can submit your questions to Ask Robert at richdadradio.com. So Melissa, what's the first question for Ask Robert? Our question today, Robert, comes from Julia in Omaha, Nebraska. Favorite book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. She says, Robert, do you think that the threat of socialism is real in our country? With all the fake news and talking heads and politicians trying to grab headlines, I'm wondering if it's just all about seeking attention or if you think this is something that could take hold here in the U.S. That's a fabulous question. I think it's already taken hold. And I'm not saying that socialist, communists, or fascists or capitalists are bad people. It's just a philosophy. It's how you look at life. It's no different than if you're an employee, so I'm looking for a safe, secure job. doesn't mean you're a bad person. Or being an entrepreneur saying, I want to start my own business. It's just a different point of view. But I think the big difference is people don't know the difference between a socialist, a capitalist, and a communist or a fascist. And really what most people are a fascist, they want to tell you how to run your lives. See, a fascist would say, I want you all to wear I want you all to drive the same car. You cannot have a different car. So fascists are, you know, they think they know what's best for you, which is completely anti-freedom. Me, I'm a capitalist. I just want to take time, people's time and people's money and make money. That's what my thing, I'm not a good or a bad person. People do it criminally, obviously, and some people do it good. So a capitalist takes people and money and creates products. A socialist is like a Robin Hood. They want to take from the rich and give to the poor. And a communist is somebody who believes in central government, centralized government. Where a cat, this is a different part. Capitalists believe in centralized banking. That's why we have the Federal Reserve Bank and things like this. So communists, capitalists, socialists, fascists, they're all just different points of view on life. They're not good or bad. Some are good and bad, obviously but nothing to do with that. 
The trouble with socialism today, without financial education in our schools, naturally socialism is going to grow. As you've listened to our shows before, we talk about the biggest crash coming is pension plans. You know, first was the, the subprime mortgages in 2007, 2008. The next giant crash coming are pension plans. And for the baby boomers, we had the, the baby boomers had the easiest of all generations, all generations. You know, they were born after World War II, the market took off, they got a job, they made high pay, they bought a house, the house went from 100,000 to a million, they put money in the stock market, got rich. The problem is without financial education, the baby boomers are about to eat lunch. And so we have this huge thing called uh, pensions. You know, that in 1974, ERISA was created. ERISA stands for Employee Retirement Income Security Act. And for the very first time in a few years, baby boomers were responsible for their retirement. Now I know many, many people, they don't have enough money to retire on. They may have built the last a few years, but our pensions are going bust. And that's why I wrote Rich Dad's Prophecy. I started in 1999, because I could see the crisis coming. So my prediction and prophecy was in 2016, that the whole thing would come apart. So I missed it. I missed it by a year and a half. It came apart September 2018, and it's still going down. So the question is, can our government leaders pull it out? I don't think so. So that's why with the Rich Dad Radio Show, that's why I created the cash flow board game and all this. So you could teach yourselves, and with the cash flow board game, you could teach, people could teach people. Because the schools aren't gonna teach you. They don't, what do teachers know about money? What do our leaders know about money? Most of them are socialists. So the position at Rich Dad, it's you can, you can make a choice, it's a free country. You can expect the government to take care of you, you can pick your mommy and daddy to take care of you, or you can learn to take care of yourself. So that's my point of view. I'm not saying it's right or wrong, we're all different people. But I never wanted somebody to take care of me. I am a hardcore capitalist. I do it legally, ethically, and moral. I don't believe in cheating anybody. So once again, that's my point of view. Is there socialism? Absolutely. And the more desperate people get, the more desperate they become, the more desperate they get, more communism will come into place. And today, most people you know, in social media are fascist. Today in social media, you're guilty. You have no chance of proving you're innocent. If somebody accuses you of something, the mob, all the social media, which is anti-social, makes her decision whether you're guilty or not guilty. It's a very tricky world we live in today. So once again, I fought for capitalism. General Jack Bergman fought for capitalism. You know, the congressman fighting for capitalism. And I, th I thank you for listening to the Rich Dad Radio Show because we're about capitalism. Once again, you can submit your questions to Ask Robert at richdadradio.com. And thank you all for listening to the Rich Dad Radio Show.